0: I pondered how many lessons that God gave in the scenes displayed in the children of Israel. They indeed seem to be endless. I'll offer this particular moment in the text when the last plague has crushed the will of the Egyptian people and Pharaoh has acquiesced to the final request. Let my people go. Indeed it happened. The children of Israel gathered up the wealth of Egypt. They shook off the chains and the meager habitations as they followed Moses in an exodus unlike anything the world had ever seen. And as they left Egypt, we are told that they marched with boldness, Exodus 14 and 8. Of course, I like what the King James Version says in Exodus 14.8. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. <laughs> but Pharaoh caught himself. And his grief turned to anger. And anger then became rage. The scripture says that he commissioned all the chariots of Egypt. But in particular, the leaders... Of the 600 chosen chariots, presumably the most fierce and weaponized of them all, led all the other chariots. So, just because Israel walked out with a high hand, it didn't last for long. Everybody is bold until they come under attack. And their collective boldness will turn into fear. And of course, fear has a way of metastasizing into things, not the least of which is blame. When things go south, God is on trial. When trouble comes for many, God is court-martialed, and then His deeds are under scrutiny. In fact, His love is suspect. But of course, can I just preach here a little bit? Would you allow me to preach the word to you a little bit here? Of course, it's difficult to attack Someone or something you can't see. It's hard to attack God. He's a spirit. So when that fails, whoever is next in line, most visible, most apparent, the next one up gets the attack. The man of God is in line. Moses is the leader, and by virtue of his leadership, he was also under investigation. It was looking good with all that gold and silver and raiment and clothing, and the carts loaded down, and they were marching out of Egypt with boldness and a high hand. But the dust cloud behind them cannot hide those 600 choice chariots and all the rest that pursued them. So Moses is accused of poor leadership. He's accused of not being spiritual and that his direction has obviously been garnished in error. And they lifted up their eyes and they saw the coming attraction, the predator, and they were the prey. And the Bible says that they cried and were so afraid. And it makes me to know even today as I stand here that a high hand looks good until the direction of the church leads to turmoil and conflict. Here's the scripture. They said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, that's why you took us out here to die the wilderness? Why did you deal with us? You carried us out of Egypt. Is not this the word we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians. Now, let me tell you, they never said that. that those words never came out of their mouth. They were happy to be gone. You see, when you're in conflict, you make up stuff. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians. That was also a lie. That we should die in the wilderness. That was not true. That's opinion. So you got a little lie, got a little opinion. And it comes out of fear. Where'd the high hand go now? (laughs) And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still. See the salvation. Stand, see, wait. The Lord is going to fight for you. Let me skip ahead to verse 19, what God did. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. You got the angel and you got the manifestation of the Most High God. And he stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. Is that not incredible? So neither went near the other all night long. The enemy was blinded and the people of God had a night light and an angel. Can you do that? Can you do it? Are you smart? Are we talented enough to do that? Movement. All the movement. Everybody wants to move. Everybody wants, to, in fact, it's radical movement from people. That's, some people even cloak their carnality and spiritual endeavors. Movement seems to be enticing. And I know that it's easy for us to get ahead of God. I know that it's a human nature for us to try to help God do things. We think God really is desperately need us, that he is bound up and afflicted without our help. David is the chief musician. He wrote it this way in Psalm 46 and 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. But but, but I heard it growing up as God is a present help in time of trouble. I wonder why people added time of trouble. Is God in time? Is he in time? Because if he's in time, then he can only be moving forward like me and you. At best, we are half-dimensional. We can't even go sideways like God can. That's hard to wrap our minds around. We can only go forwards. We can go back in time. A lot of people try to go back in time. Go ask Kenny Rogers. <laughs> He'd been walking around surprised for a long time. Sorry gotta know when to hold them i guess i didn't know i don't care how much skin you pull back you ain't you ain't putting back time you can bathe in oil of olay you just become soft and spongy but you didn't go back in time if he's a help in time then that may also mean that he is limited to my time Ladies and gentlemen, God is not in my time. He's not in time. He's both the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. And he is such since before the dawn of time, which has always been in his mind. He didn't show up when he did. He didn't show up when we did. He was before us and he's already been, oh man. He's been before us and he has already been where we are going. Because the Bible says that Jesus was slain from the foundations of the world. The Bible says that in the beginning was the word. That word means logos. In the beginning was the word. The word means thought. In the beginning was the thought. It wasn't like my thought. Like your thought. Like our thoughts. All random and scattered and confined and finite with limitations. And a circumference bordered by constraints of the human expression. No. God was the thought. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, the thought, and the thought was God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He was the thought because verse 14 says that the Word, the Logos, was made flesh. And John said, we beheld His glory. You couldn't see the glory until it became flesh. Are you getting this now? Jesus Christ is the express image of the Father. He is the physical form of the eternal spirit or as Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 who being the brightness of his glory the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down that is a that is a that is a that is a a a figurative concept. There's only one throne in heaven. He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So for me to think that maybe I can help him or that maybe his plan is leading me into a conflict that he cannot handle, I've got to know that he is an ever-present help in trouble. Not some trouble. Not minimal trouble. Just trouble. He's bigger than all your trouble. He's greater than all your trouble. He doesn't think that cancer is bigger than a headache. He doesn't think a mountain is is much larger than a molehill. He is a very present help in trouble, which means he is an ever-present help. I hope you get this. He's an ever-present help. Not in time. He never comes just in time. He's never just right on time. He's always there, ever-present. I- listen I'm often just in time that's me I I may even be a little early but he is omnipresent there's not one place you can get to that he hasn't already been there waiting for you to come and we are when we are enclosed with chaos and trouble and wickedness and pain rejection sickness all the manner of conflicts take your pick he's an ever present help and he does what we cannot do Even if we knew what to do, so I'm standing here in a prophetic voice to tell you: stand still and see. And when you see, ask yourself the question: Can you do that? (laughs) See, you just can't see if you're moving so fast. Stand still and see. We tried; we were going to put up a sign years ago, and we found out that speed of a car moving past a church sign. You have to, there's there's an equation about how big the font could be. If it's a digital sign, how big that font has to be at a certain speed with cars traveling by. When you're going fast, when you're trying to rush through everything, when you can't have any patience, hear me. In your patience, the Bible said, you will redeem, you access your soul in your patience. He's all-encompassing, powerful. And at best we live, move, breathe, in him we have our being. Oh, I'm going somewhere now. Here's the last command. Hold your peace. (laughs) Uh Well, you know, there's a lot of different names for a firearm. One of them is a peacemaker. I don't know how that got there, but peacemaker, I think by the time you use the peace, (laughs) it makes peace. Things get quiet after. It's unsheathed. See, God is going to do something that he had in mind all along. In fact, God has a plan to get you out. Before you ever got in. He made a way of escape. Before you ever found yourself bound. He provided a healing. Before you ever got sick. But the problem is overcoming the urge to assist God in the process. It's like the little boy who helps his father in the garage. He's trying to rebuild the motor. The sun gets dirty. He gets greasy. He has no idea what's going on, but he's kind of a little bit in the way. He has no knowledge of it. He don't have the strength to lift anything, but he's with the Father. The word of the Lord is in this house today, and I cannot tell, but I feel that someone is going to listen to this even at a later time, and I want to say that God's word is for you also. It's not bound by the limitations or the location, and I say to someone and I'm trying to speak to your spirit stand still and see the salvation of God I'll tell you why you got to stand still wherefore he is able also to save them to the utter uttermost that come unto God by him seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them for such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's sake no he didn't have to do that for this he did once because he was perfect When he offered up himself, hear me—he is able to save to the uttermost. He's able to deliver you out of the most complex situations of your life. Stand still and see the wonders of the Lord. Stand still and don't be afraid. Stand still and believe God. Stand still and don't complain. Stand still and know that God is God alone. He's enough. He's more than enough. He's greater than you need. He's more than you'll need. You'll never expend him his energy. You'll never expand him. He's more gracious and grand and glorious and marvelous than you'll ever imagine. Hear me. You can tap me out. You can deplete me. You can drain me. You can talk to me until I'm tired. You can weary me. But you'll never weary God. You'll never drain God. You'll never tap Him out. He is a great God. I stand here today to say, somebody be still, stand still, and seek Him. Here's the word of the Lord for somebody. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon your right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and evermore. you think the Lord's not going to take care of you? you think that anything can happen to you that he's not going to take care of you? Hear me. He visits the funeral of a sparrow that falls to the earth. He knows every hair on your head. He knows where you are. He knows the fiber of you. He saw you while you were being formed. Before the tissue and the sinew and the veins and the respiratory system was ever formed. He knew you. I'm real nervous about this. I'm real real anxious. Just hold on. I used to like those terms in the 80s. You know, people say things like, that's so rad. In the 80s, they had a little term, take a chill pill. Calm down a little bit wait a second. You're the child of the Most High God. You are blood-bought. You're a blood-bought. You're the people of the Lord. You're the church that He came to build. Surely, He will deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He'll cover you with his feathers under wings like the great eagle that he is. His truth will be your shield and buckler. Thou shall not be afraid by the tear by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall by the, that side and two thousand at your right hand. But it won't happen to you. No, you don't believe that yet. I'm preaching the word of God. It's not going to happen to you. You're a child of the Most High God. Now, I cannot relate to Job, and I do not know anyone who can. But I have some relation to him, if only but a momentary trial. How could it be that I preach the word and teach the gospel, and then somehow things get so twisted and I feel the scourge? How could it be that people... Who even live to spread the gospel, feel the heartbreak of loss, suffer things that cannot be told or understood. Job is standing alone in that room of despair and he is talking with God about the trials of this mortal life. When the Lord finally shows up to give him a reply. God said in Job 37, 14. Hearken unto this, Job. Stand still and consider. Why did God... Tell Job to stand still. It wasn't meant to be idle or disengaged. It wasn't meant to imply that Job would not progress in his faith or in his plight to overcome his present situation. God told Job to stand still because God wanted Job to see his own helplessness and also see the wondrous powers of the Lord because motion is nothing more than commotion when God is not considered. Movement can be a Detraction. And blind you from who God is and what he has done. And I like what the NLT says in the next verse. God said, Job, do you know how God controls the storm? How I cause the lightning to flash from his clouds. Do you understand how he moves the clouds with wonderful perfection and skill when you're swelching in your clothes and the south wind dies down and everything is still? He makes the skies reflect the heat like a bronze mirror. I like the last question. Can you do that? Come on, all you talented people, all you gifted people, all you know it all, all you intellectual people, all you biblical scholars that can exegete all the scriptures. Can you do that? Come on, all you business people that think you got it all made. Can you do that? Somebody tell me, somebody tell me how you can look at a grave and say, roll the stone away and say, come on out of there. Can you do that? God knew that we have a limitation. We are limited in our consideration. It's not the limitation of my flesh that's always going to be with me. It's the limitation of my consideration of who God is. He knew that as long as the people of the Lord are harried and busy and trying to fix ourselves, then they would never come to witness the wonder of his majesty. He knew that we are good at complaining about the issue, no matter what the issue is. When all along he can do things that we cannot do, but we can't see it because we haven't learned to stand still. Are you ready for the battle? I hope you are. Stand still. Have you been prepared? Stand still. Do you have power over the enemy? Good. Stand still. I know that you have to put on your armor. The Bible says so. Be clothed with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Make sure your feet are fitted with readiness from understanding the gospel. Take up the shield of faith because it can quench the arrows of wickedness, the helmet of salvation. It's a protection of the thoughts of your brain and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's your weapon. It's all there. But if you read the beginning of the verse of that catalog, then you would know that Paul offers a pre-summary. Ephesians 6.13 is a pre-summary. He said, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, that means you accomplish it. To stand, having done all is the whole armor of God. It means that after you have taken up the whole armor of God, your loins gird about the truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, then stand after you've got it on. If you've done it, you have it. Now stand. And of course, for all those who are argumentative, I've got more Bible. Paul won't leave us wondering if this verse can hold a thought, so he writes to the church at Philippi. He says in Philippians 2.13, for it is God. Everyone say, it is God. It is God which worketh in you both to do, both to will, and to do his good pleasure. It is God. It is God. You are not God. It is God. You can't do it by yourself. God can do it. I want to ta- strip you of all of your confidence in your flesh. I'm not going to have confidence in my flesh. No, I cannot do it, and neither can you. You cannot overcome even the smallest thing in your life, but God can do it stand still and see God God didn't leave you he didn't do that he, he, he didn't abandon you even if you can't find him he knows exactly where you are stand still God is doing it he's the one working in you to do whatever you cannot do it anyway he's doing whatever you need it is God that allows you to act according to his good pleasure I know that Paul was preparing the image of a spiritual soldier I get it but it is God that works in you God that works in you. Oh, I feel like a... Go ask Hezekiah. I got to find somebody that can relate. Go ask Hezekiah who is under siege from Sennacherib. There is no doubt as to the destructive force of the Assyrian king He and they are ruthless, and Hezekiah knows that the walls that Hezekiah hides behind, they are fortified. The battle plans are ready and sure. The city is enclosed. But Sennacherib has already destroyed some of the outer realms of the kingdom. He's on his way to Jerusalem, and fear grips Hezekiah and all the people of Israel. So tell me what you do when an enemy can overtake your best defense. You pray, right? You pray. I'm glad you pray. But I'm concerned that some people... Have faith in their prayer. In fact, if they pray it, then they believe it. If you pray it, it's not good enough because they believe and have faith in their prayer. The question was posed a few years ago to America. Does prayer heal? I'm going to give you the answer. No. No. Oh, I'm messing with you now. I know I'm messing with you because you're so proud about your religious prowess You're so proud about your religious standing. You think you're so good and got it all together I'm gonna tell you right now I preached about a wave and when the wave comes, it'll knock you down. It'll put you flat on your back Hear me. You don't know what can happen in your life. Don't have faith and your prayer prayer does not heal God heals of prayer healed then everybody every person out there that's praying to whatever God they'd all be healed I'm going to tell you what Jesus Christ paid the price you did not you pray and believe that God he will do the work I don't have faith in my walk I have faith that he's helping me lead me I don't faith in my ability I have faith in his ability he is able to do things I cannot think of Oh no. I already feel it. I'm I'm gonna poke right there. That's a tender spot already. I got it That's a tender, That's tender, because I know. Well, Pastor, you want us to pray? That's right. You want us to fast? Yes, I do. But let's believe in God. God can do it. Who did you think you are? Did you think you can move God and, and change and, and and change all the realm? Listen, I'm gonna tell you right now, you can't do that. Only God can do that. You can't even fix your situation. In fact, I would just submit to you: the more people try to fix their own situations, the worse they become. You you start meddling with all things that belong to God. And not only are we arrogant to think that we can fix our situation, people in the church think they can fix other people. The Lord already spoke about that. Because we never think we got a big problem. We think we got a little problem. We think we got the speck of dust and they got the big plank. (laughs) Uh See, arrogance can lead you to a great fall. You're not prepared to catch yourself because you believe that you are religious enough or you had enough church tenure Now listen, I I I don't remember all these days. I don't remember it, but I just saw it that years and years ago in the Pentecostal movement, when people came to church, they would they if perfect attendance, you would get a little metal pin. I don't know if anybody remembers those metal pins. Sister, and and then if you if you did something else good, maybe another year, there was an attachment. You got another one. It would hang down. And I met a lady who had a whole. She had a bunch of them, just all the way down just almost dragging the floor, this thing. I asked the pastor one time, she's got perfect attendance. He said, yes, she takes the attendance and the offering of the Sunday school and when she's done, she leaves. She never hears me preach. But she comes because she wants to get another badge. <laughs> I said, you've got to be kidding. Why do you give her a badge? He said, because we need somebody to take up the attendance. He told me that. She had all the badges. She can prove to you she got perfect attendance. I'm sure she's spiritual because I'm sure she fasts all night while she's sleeping. She wakes up godly. She walks around talking about it, trying to fix everybody. You'd be well pressed to get your own life in order, but you can't do it because you think you could. stand still. God's going to take this. He's going to work it. He's going to provide for it. He's going to provide for you. Stand still. Watch him do his work. I want you to say, stand still, self. Watch and consider the wonders of God. I can't put it all together, but God can. I can't fix everybody's marriage, but God can. I can't call your children back to church, but God can. I can't heal your body. I'm commissioned to pray. Take dominion in Jesus' name and plead the blood. But it's all by the work of the Holy Ghost. God can. Uh Hezekiah, he goes to his knees and he repents. Oh, I wish people that have been serving God would go back to the altar and repent. How long has it been since you repented? Why are you keep waiting for someone else to repent? Maybe you should repent. Go read the back of Sister Tammy's prayer. It was, part of that was a repentance prayer. Forgive us, Lord. Hezekiah goes to his knees. He seeks the hand of God. Think of it, all that wailing and pain, heartache fear, all the preparations for battle, the slow burning fires, the sharpened spears and cobbled arrows all bundled in baskets around the top of that stone margin they call Jerusalem. So glad Hezekiah has his men ready, but ultimately he will not prevail with spears and arrows and swords and the weapons of war. It will be the Lord or it will be nothing. It must be the Lord it will be nothing. Now when God moves, I stand here to tell you that nothing can compare to God when he moves. I don't know how the order was given in the heavenlies. The Bible doesn't pull back the curtain far enough to reveal to us that other reality. But perhaps God turns to one of his angels, his warring angels, and he speaks to just one of the hundreds of millions of angels, just one. Here's your Bible. Hezekiah, he he is fearful. He is afraid. There is an enemy coming that's ravaging the countryside. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out. And smote in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000 men when they arose in the morning. Behold, there were dead bodies everywhere. So the king of Syria, he went back home and he lived in Nineveh. I'm asking you, can you do that? Come on, can you do that? Let's get, let's, let's get together. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're, we're going to have a whole bunch of tricks. We're going to do a whole bunch of things. We're going to get somebody who's very gifted with words. We need somebody who knows how to pray long prayers. We need someone who knows how to actually say all kinds of things. Interweaving a few scriptures. I love all of that. But can you do that? Can you wipe out 185,000 people in one night? God can. God can. So I'm submitting to stand still. Watch what God's going to do. Consider the wonders of the Lord. Hear me. Zerubbabel, here's a word now. Here's the word. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's not by might, it's not by but it's by my spirit saith the Lord of hosts I gotta say this again it's not by might it's not by power I want to tell you what God can do in the middle of the night he can turn to one of his angels and that thing that you've been dealing with all those years in a single night He can wipe out the entire force of the enemy That's waging against you All the things that are coming your way And oh I know they're coming your way Hear me Don't look around in this church and say I'm going to try to find the more spiritual person To lay hands on me Because that means that you, you think They're good enough to help you Hear me Anybody who is blood bought Can put their hand on you And pray in the name of Jesus It's not my name anyway It's not your name anyway Stop trying to think Well they're better I think they'll help me a little bit Hear me anybody who's born again of the water and the spirit, who's taking on the name of Jesus, all they have to do is say I'm going to pray for you right now in Jesus' name. i tell you what I'm dealing with right now. I, I, I know what I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with flesh. Here's an oxymoron for you. I'm dealing with Sanctified flesh. Whew. Religious people. Uh-oh. I'd rather deal with just sinner flesh. But when you get with Pentecostal flesh, you have big problems. I can cast out, rebuke any devil, but I can't cast out your spirit, small s-p-i-r-i-t. <laughs> I can't cast that out You gotta humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he'll lift you up. Hear me, I can be humiliated, but I can't be humbled. And I've been humiliated many times, but the Bible says a man must humble themselves. I gotta get my flesh under subjection. I gotta get my spirit under subjection. And it's not just the lust of the flesh. Yeah, they really, they gotta get themselves together. Yeah, they're living in the world. I'm going to tell you, you might need to get yourself together because you're living in the church. <laughs> I know, listen. If I'm talking to a bunch of people who don't know the Lord, I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about you who've been walking in the way called holy. I'm talking to you. The Lord is saying something to you. Hear me. Your religious flesh rises up against the Holy Spirit until you believe that you're well-equipped enough. Oh, come on now. I had a feeling last night when I left my office. It might have just been me. It wasn't the Lord. I thought when I left my office, I pulled away. I thought, mmm, that may not go well. I hummed to myself, mmm, I don't think so. I got home, I climbed in bed. I said, Lord, you got anything else you can put in my mind while I'm sleeping? I dreamed I was in a cafeteria all night last night and the lady wouldn't give me the red velvet cake. I saw I saw the white icing. That selfish lunch lady... God didn't give me anything spiritual. He just blocked it all out and made me frustrated. I think I was frustrated because I knew he wasn't giving me anything else. So I walked in here with what he gave me. Now, if you got a problem with the mail, go chase down the mailman and yell at him. I never see anybody look at the mailman with their arms crossed, sneering. Why are you here? No, you're running after the mail. You open up the mailbox. You pull out a stack of bills. But you never associate the Duke Energy Bill with the mail lady. I want you to do that. I'll tell you what. Tomorrow, when the mail lady comes, you, you go up to her and say, listen to me. Friday... You offended me. In fact, you are the most consistent, offensive person that ever comes to my house. Every week you put stuff in that box. I got that thing cleaned. I got the number on it. I got little brass stains on it. I blacked out the rest of it so it could shine. I put the nice flag. I painted it red. And you keep putting stuff in there that hurts me. That's exactly what happens when we come to the church in the house of God. The Lord delivers a word to you but instead of taking care of the issue you'll get angry with the messenger. (laughs) What is that? That's flesh. Flesh doesn't want to stand still. Flesh likes movement. Can flesh? Because flesh is enamored... With the movement of itself. And God says to all the people. Wait a second. Did you ever stop to consider. How the waves keep coming back in. Did you ever stop to consider. How the moon. Changes its place with the sun. And the world 165,000 miles an hour. Spins on its axis. And never, and never tips over. Or gets out of sync. Did you ever consider how the Lord grafted all ecology and life? The winds, the currents, the air, the oceans, the sea, the right proportion of hydrogens and oxygens, the right proportion of carbon dioxide. Did you ever consider photosynthesis? (laughs) Did you ever consider? how you are even living right now and breathing. Did you ever consider your muscular system that moves your skeletal system? Did you ever consider that pounding through your heart right now thousands of beats, thousands of beats on rhythm? Your blood is carrying every nutrient and oxygen to the extremities of your body so that everything is done and replenished and every cell is remanufactured except, of course, for your brain cells. Do I have to go down that road now? i like to go down that road. I want to tell you, God can do what you cannot do. Did you ever consider that perhaps David's little stone found its way to the head of Goliath? Can you do that? God can do that. Can you do that? God told the people one time, dig big ditches. When the enemy comes, I'll do the rest. All they had to do was dig a ditch. Do you think you got to be somebody special to dig a hole? What's your spiritual gift? It's my shovel. (laughs) He put in water. Water came flowing in that. The water looked like blood. The enemy came. They were relaxed. They put down their swords and spears. And the Bible says that the Lord of hosts did the rest of the work. Hear me. God can do it. All you've got to do is stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. And Moses said, here's the word for you. God's going to do something this day he's going to be kind to you and when he does it he's going to completely wipe out what you're looking at right now. I feel this to tell someone God's going to remove what you've been working on and working under and when he does it you'll never deal with it again he'll never deal with it again. He's going to drown the very thing that had you bound. And when he does it, you'll never see it again. The word of the Lord is in this house. God is going to completely remove the oppression that has had you bound. Ah. Ah. I need someone just to help me receive this word for those who are struggling in their faith. Somebody with faith, lift up your voice and just say, I believe in you, God. Your word will not return void. Your word is shining a path right now. The Lord is going to remove anxieties from your life. And when He does, He's going to drown them. They've been chasing after you for a long time. I know it can be a process, but I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus that the Lord would give you power right now over every addiction that's ever been in your life. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Stand right now and lift up your voices and your hands to God. Ah! Your need is not too great for God. Your problem is not too grand for the Lord. Your dilemma is not too complex for the Creator. If you want it, it's in this house. If you want it, it's in this house. The Lord came for a word for you. The Lord came to give you something here today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, 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 Lord. Come on, say it. I believe in you, Lord. Say, I believe in your word, Lord. I believe your word is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be right and everything everything else be wrong. Let the word of the Lord stand in my life. I'm going to stand on the word of God. I know you can do the work. I know you can do the work, Lord. <laughs> Somebody in this house needs to ask God to forgive them. You ought to ask God, forgive me, Lord. Repent. Repent of arrogance. Repent of pride. Repent of fear. I don't know if you're feeling this, but I'm just going to offer it to you. I want someone, I know God's speaking, repent of what you said. Repent of what you said when you should have held your peace. You didn't hold it. Repent, forgive me for the words that I said out of my mouth. I'm gonna hold my peace, God. Forgive me my murmuring and my complaining, my backbiting. Forgive me my doubt that came out of my mouth, Lord. Forgive me of that, God. Heal me, Lord. Clean my conscience right now, Lord. Purge me, Lord, right now. I want to see what you can do. I'm going to be quiet let you do the work, Lord. I'm going to be still and let you do the work, Lord. And just out of my mouth, I'm going to sing praises. I'm going to sing glory. I'm going to say hallelujah to you, the high praise.